Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the subject of divorce and remarriage. And in the previous program, I was talking about this with relevance to the subject of slavery, that we are not called to be slaves of one another, and that marriage is certainly not an excuse to declare that your spouse is your slave. It's a very important thing to understand, otherwise it definitely changes the dynamics of the relationship and can easily change those dynamics to the point where you no longer have a marriage. What you have is something else. You have a different kind of relationship between two people, whereas one person will eventually assert themselves as the master and the other one will have to submit themselves as a slave. Otherwise, there could be extreme consequences. And I was explaining that a little bit in the previous program. I might talk about that a little bit more in future programs. But in the previous program, one thing that I emphasized was the fact that there were two occasions when God spoke of divorce that we have found in Exodus chapter 21, and that the first occasion, which has to do with a man who takes a wife while he is the servant of another man's household, in the event that he wants to become free, then a divorce is required. And then in the other circumstance is further down in that chapter into verses 10 and 11, where the Lord said that a divorce would be permitted. So at this time, I'd like to address a very important statement that people will often make, and that is that God will never approve of, he will never recognize, he will never acknowledge divorce. He will never say that there is a circumstance where divorce is allowed or permitted that divorce is the most unacceptable thing that could ever occur in humanity. People make statements like this, either directly or indirectly. But what I have shown you is that there exists two circumstances where God addresses this issue by saying that in one circumstance, he requires that a divorce take place, and in another circumstance, he permits a divorce to take place in the event that the wife would like to leave her husband. And so I want you to see that this is in the scriptures. Now, what I do not want you to do is take these references and try to find some way to apply them to your personal experience, to your personal life. That's not the purpose for which I am producing these programs. I am not producing on your behalf. I'm not generating some kind of list of criteria that you can then study and examine and present to your spouse and declare that you are going to divorce them because of this criteria that Aaron Budgen established. That's not the purpose for these programs. I am only addressing the subject, and on occasion I can say something about statements that people make that are obviously lies. There does exist in the scriptures... There does exist circumstances where God has either required or permitted that a divorce occur. And if he does that, then does that mean that he is engaging in or he is endorsing something 
that is evil. No, of course not. In the circumstance where he requires a divorce, there was no sin involved. There was no sin that justified it. There was no sin that instigated it. It had nothing to do with that at all. In the occasion when he permitted it, in Exodus chapter 21, verse 11, one of those circumstances could easily be recognized as a situation that does not involve sin. Now, of course, there are circumstances in verse 11 where you could say that there is. But my point is, is that a woman can leave her husband for reasons that don't involve sin, that is accepted. Our God has made an allowance for that. But again, I'm not saying these things to provide people with a way out of their marriage or with an excuse to end their marriage. I am simply addressing the subject at hand. I would strongly encourage you to consider how to apply the things in the scriptures after you understand the subject in its totality and also after you have consulted the Lord concerning your own personal relationship, your experience not only with your spouse but also with your God that you should do that and you should assume personal responsibility. You be responsible and do not use me as an excuse to make your decisions. You be responsible for your own decisions, for your own life, because when you stand before the Lord, it will be you and him. It won't be you, him, and I. I'm not going to be there with you. Now, having said that, a good question to ask is, are there any other circumstances in the scriptures that are Similar to what I just described, are there any others? And certainly, there are a few. And so in today's program, I'd like to make reference to a couple of these situations that we could address. One situation is definitely important, and that is described in the book of Ezra. In the book of Ezra, what we have is a description of what the people did when they returned from captivity in Babylon. When the people returned from captivity in Babylon, they reestablished the nation of Israel in Jerusalem, in the nation of Israel. They reestablished worship. They reestablished the Levitical priesthood. And when they reestablished the Levitical priesthood, it was discovered that some of the priests, some of the priests who decided to return from Babylon, not everybody, came back to the land. There were many people who stayed behind. But of those priests who decided to go to the land of Israel, some of them had wives who were not Israelites. They were not of the nation of Israel. They had taken wives and they had children with these wives who were Babylonians. They were of other nations. They were recognized as pagans. Now, in this situation... This was described as sin, not like the other one that I referred to earlier. But in this situation, this was a circumstance of sin, and God required that a divorce take place in this situation. Beginning in Ezra chapter 10, verse 18, I'm going to begin in verse 18, where it says, And among the sons of the priests who had taken pagan wives... The following were found of the sons of Yeshua, the son of Yozadak, and his brothers, and he gives the names of the brothers, and in verse 19, and they gave their promise that they would put away their wives, and being guilty, they presented a ram of the flock as their trespass offering." they declared that they would put away their wives, that they would divorce 
their wives. And as you continue to read through all the names to verse 44, the last verse in the book of Ezra, it says, All these had taken pagan wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children even. They had their wives with them, they had their children with them, and God required that a divorce take place. Now, if God required that a divorce take place, then there are some implications concerning that. There are some implications. When we make statements such as God never allows divorce, then we're not telling the truth, because here not only does he allow for it, but he requires it. That's what I mean. Now, of course, there's a lot more to be said about that. For example, who's a Levitical priest? And if you're not a Levitical priest, then maybe he doesn't require it of you. I mean, I understand that we could get into specifics, but I am not recording these programs for the purpose of providing you with specifics concerning your individual relationship with your God or with a spouse and your personal experience as you are living your life. That's not what this is for. I'm addressing the subject of divorce and remarriage. Now, the law that they violated is found in Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 21, verse 7, it says, They shall not take a wife who is a harlot or a defiled woman, nor shall they take a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. A priest should not do that. And so in the circumstance with Ezra, The Levitical priests who were named, they took wives against the law, against the law of God. Now, of course, this could have been handled in other ways. I mean, they could have gone back to Babylon. That was a legitimate thing. They could have done that. That would not have been sin, according to the law of God, if they wanted to leave the nation, if they wanted to leave the land of Israel, go live somewhere else not live as a priest, but live in another country as a pagan, they had the right to do that. They could have kept their wives, they could have kept their children, they could have done that. If they remained in the land of Israel in this circumstance, it does not appear that God would have allowed them to continue to be in the land of Israel, but not allow them to be a part of the priesthood. It appears that in this situation, they were obligated to take their proper role and could not have gotten out of it. They could not have joined another tribe. And so, you know, we do have some interesting, unique circumstances here. But what I like you to see is that they were not permitted to take a pagan wife according to the law. And so because of this, God required that a divorce take place in this situation, in this circumstance. Now, again, you can extrapolate with this, but don't do that. But I'm letting you know that people will attempt to do things like this. They will extrapolate this and say things like, well, that was just for those Levitical priests, you know. They were required to divorce, but, you know, you're not a Levitical priest, and so you have to stay married. You cannot divorce under a claim that your spouse seems to be a pagan. No, you can't do that because you're not a Levitical priest. So you are held to a higher standard than the Levitical priest. You know, people can easily make those kinds of declarations. They do that with other things where they say things like, well, we are a priest to God, which is true. Absolutely. We are a priest. And then they will say, so because we are a priest, we are to abide under some of the standards that are established for the priests 
uh, except for this one, this standard that requires you to engage in a divorce. Now, we're, we don't think that that's right. So when people start to extrapolate from the scriptures and apply these things to their unique circumstances, it is easy it is trivial. It's really easy for a person to do so in a way that can easily be inappropriate, can easily be a way that God never intended. But to answer the question of does God ever allow for a divorce in this case, just like I described earlier from Exodus chapter 21 verses 1 through 4, this is a situation where divorce is mandated. It is required by God. And in this case, not like the other one, in this case, it is because a sin took place. That the marriage was a sin. Now, you've got to be careful with this as well. Because people can use this as an excuse to divorce by saying that their marriage was a sin. You know, you married somebody who was an unbeliever, for example. And because you married someone who is an unbeliever, then we can apply this verse to say that you not only have the right to divorce them, but you might be obligated to do so. And these kinds of extrapolations, in my opinion, are inappropriate. But to tell someone that they cannot divorce because of extrapolations on certain scriptures, that also is inappropriate. It is inappropriate to use these circumstances and examples to permit or to forbid a divorce, to either permit or to forbid. The purpose of this is to understand how God sees the subject. Do not look into these examples as opportunities to either permit or to forbid, because these examples were given for unique circumstances and purposes. For example, with the Levitical priesthood, it had to do with holiness and the symbolic representations that were established by the priesthood and for the foreshadowings that were given, that were used in order to describe the Messiah and our relationship with him and his relationship with God, things like that. There were other purposes that these things were given for, and so be careful on how you may apply things in such a way that you declare forbidding or permitting. For example, if you keep reading in Leviticus chapter 21, you see another restriction on the priesthood, but this has to do with the high priest. Beginning in verse 13, this is Leviticus chapter 21, verse 13. It says, and he, referring to the high priest, shall take a wife in her virginity a widow or a divorced woman or a defiled woman or a harlot, these he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people. At the beginning of verse 14, he says widow. Now, the restriction of a widow was not placed on the regular priests, but it was placed on the high priest, and so he can't even take a widow. Now, think about this for a minute. Is there anything wrong with somebody being a widow? Of course not. There is no sin in being a widow. I mean, if you're a woman who is married and your husband dies, you're a widow. You're not allowed to marry the high priest of Israel. Is that because you're defiled? Is that because you're a sinner? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is a law that is given for a symbolic purpose, not for the purpose of identifying or declaring what is sin. It's not given for that at all. And so when it comes to remarriage, a widow can certainly remarry, 
It's just that if she's in the nation of Israel that is being governed by the Levitical priesthood, she can't marry the high priest. But that means that she can marry any other priest or any other person who is not the high priest. When it comes to those who are divorced, not widowed, but divorced, what about them? Well, according to Leviticus chapter 21, verse 7, and Leviticus chapter 21, verses 13 and 14, if a woman is divorced, she cannot remarry if she is going to marry a priest. That is not permitted in the law, in the law of Moses. And so what does that tell you about the subject of remarriage, which is something that I have not referred to up until this program. Up until this program, I have mainly been focusing on the subject of divorce, but how about remarriage? Here is the opportunity for me to talk about remarriage. And that is to say that according to the law of Moses, according to the law that God gave in the land of Israel and the nation of Israel, It is true that there is a situation, a circumstance, where a woman who is divorced cannot remarry. But this also says, by default, this says that a woman who is divorced can remarry anyone. Anyone in the land of Israel, as long as he's not a priest. As long as he's not a priest, she can remarry. It is not forbidden. It has never been forbidden. It was never forbidden in the history of Israel. This idea of forbidding a divorced individual from remarrying is a new phenomenon that has resulted from what people have interpreted in the New Testament. And there are some important passages that need to be examined, that need to be looked at, and I will do that. Give me a chance and I will do that. But For now, according to the scriptures, the law, the old covenant, there was no sin in a divorced woman marrying anyone outside of the Levitical priesthood. It was not a sin. So when people today declare that if you are divorced and you remarry, you have committed a sin, when people do that, They are doing so outside of the law of Moses. And they are doing so in such a way that it is contrary to the law of Moses. And so if they are going to justify that, then they're going to have to be a little bit more careful about how they do that. Because not even Jesus would contradict the law of Moses when he was conducting his ministry. And I will show you that as I get to those passages. So this is what I want you to see in this program. I want you to see that, yes, there was another circumstance when God required divorce. And there is a circumstance where he will allow for a remarriage, which is when? Any time that you want to remarry, as long as you don't marry a Levitical priest, then it is permitted. He never disallowed it, with the exception of one circumstance, one situation. And I will show you that in just a moment. Before I do that, is there any circumstance when God permitted divorce? He permitted it beyond what I described earlier, which allowed for just about any situation. If you were to look at those verses carefully, I explained that in previous programs. Were there any other circumstances where he did not require a divorce, but he permitted a divorce? Well, certainly, let's consider Deuteronomy chapter 24. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 24, beginning in verse 1, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house when she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife. I'll show you what happens after that. I want you to see here in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, God allows a man to divorce his wife under a circumstance when he finds some uncleanness in her. So what does that mean? What does it mean to find some uncleanness in her? Well, this word is used in many different circumstances. One of the uses of this word is sexual immorality of some kind, uncleanness in that sense, and that can include adultery or whatever. That's true, but it's also used for other purposes. And so what I will do in this case, which is unusual, but I will do this, I will take a rabbinical position, which I, of course, have studied extensively, and I'll just simply tell you that this word is used in such ways that it can effectively mean anything. If a man wants to divorce his wife for anything, he can divorce his wife for anything. In fact, in many ways, he doesn't even really need a reason. I want you to understand the implications of this, of course. Yes, it's true that if a man can divorce his wife for any reason, then what could that mean? I mean, that could mean that, what, is she his slave? Well, of course not, because she can divorce him also. If she wants to leave, she can leave. If she doesn't want to leave, then she doesn't have to leave unless he doesn't want to be with her either, in which case he leaves. He leaves by sending her out, or he can just leave and leave her the property that they are residing in or whatever. If he really wants to do that, there are ways that he can do that, at least allow her to be there. My point is, is that, as I said in a previous program, a woman is not a slave of her husband, and a husband is not a slave of his wife to the extent that they cannot depart from one another. Now, there are other issues related to this. For example... If you consider that a husband cannot divorce his wife without extreme penalties of some kind, I mentioned earlier that that puts him in the position of a slave. But there's more to it than just that. You see, if a man does not have the authority to divorce his wife under any condition that he so names, if that's the case, then the result will be that he is not truly the authority in his home. A man who cannot divorce his wife is not the authority in his home because if he disapproves of anything that takes place within his home, what can he do about it? I mean, really, what can he possibly do? If his wife decides to take all the wealth that he has acquired throughout his entire lifetime and then just go spend it on hats, for example, just to give an exaggerated example, then what can he do about that? If she destroys his ability to provide for her and the children in whatever way that may occur, either directly or indirectly, intentionally or accidentally, if he does not have the authority to stop his wife or his children from doing things that will be destructive to the family in that way, if he does not have the authority to do that, then he is not the authority in his home. If he cannot just simply walk away then he can be used and abused in any way possible with no consequence 
at all. I mean, like, what kind of a consequence? Can he maybe beat his wife or his children? No, that's not a legitimate way to deal with the problems of life. Absolutely not. That's my point, though, is that a man who cannot divorce his wife does not have the authority that he would need in his home on occasion in order to be responsible as a husband. Because if he is looked at as the one who is responsible, but he has no authority in order to execute whatever is necessary in order to accomplish those responsibilities, then there will be failure. There will be failure. And to prevent him from walking away, from walking away and mandating that he personally suffer for the failure because people will not submit themselves to his authority, that is a form of slavery. Now, again, don't take what I'm saying and try to apply it directly to your life necessarily. I'm referring to the scriptures. I'm referring to Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'm referring to the circumstances in the society that was in the land of Israel that was governed by the laws of the Levitical priesthood. If you try to take these things and stick them into another society that is governed by other laws, with other people who've got different ideas and different philosophies, you know, it probably isn't going to work out very well for you. But my point is, instead, I want you to see that this is not being said. I'm not saying this for the purpose of giving a man the power to say that I am in authority, and if I don't get the authority, the absolute authority that I supposedly have, if I don't get that, then I'm going to walk away and divorce you. That's not my purpose in saying this at all. It really isn't. But if you will not acknowledge that a man could divorce his wife for any reason, if you won't acknowledge that, then you have to ignore Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. And I don't think that that's a good idea. But I'll tell you that this was the effect in that society. There's been a lot of examination concerning this, that for a man to have the right to divorce meant that he had the right to be the authority in his home. And he also had the right not to be a slave. And because of that, his wife and himself had to work things out. And I will explain this more in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.